Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we aim to inspire you, to connect you with like-minded colleagues, to innovate and push you out of your comfort zone, to create robust debate, to encourage lifelong learning, and to empower you to create more impact as a dietitian. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where you are listening. I'm recording this podcast from from the land of the Dharawal people and I pay respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are here with us today. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm Brooke Delfino from Dietitian Connection and I'm an accredited practicing dietitian. Today's episode is funded by Hort Innovation using the Mellon Research and Development Levy and contributions from the Australian Government. Hort Innovation is the grower-owned, not-for-profit research and development corporation for Australian horticulture. This podcast is not and is not intended to be medical advice, which should be tailored to your individual circumstances. This podcast is for your information only, and we advise that you exercise your own judgment before deciding to use the information provided. Professional medical advice should be obtained before taking action. How many times have you said the phrase, eat the rainbow, when talking to your clients or patients about fruit and vegetables? It's an age-old saying, and now there's new research to back it up. And that's why we're joined by the brilliant Dr. Emma Beckett for today's podcast. We're going to put the saying, eat the rainbow, into practice as we talk all things melons. Emma is a food and nutrition scientist, a passionate communicator, and an evidence-based change maker. She aims to use her voice and her years of education and practical experience in food, nutrition, epidemiology, and biomedical science to empower people to interpret and better understand nutrition information. And a little fun fact, if you've not met Emma, rainbow is her favorite color as evidenced by her huge collection of food-themed outfits. Emma, welcome to the DC podcast. Rainbow is my favourite colour. Thank you for having me, Brooke. Well, look, I want to start really simply. We know that fruits and vegetables are good for us, but the reality is that 95% of Australians are still not eating enough. Can you tell me who is most likely to eat their fruit and vegetables and then who are the worst offenders? Yeah, so you're absolutely right that there is a scientific consensus. We do know fruits and vegetables are good for us and most people would agree other than a few very extreme diet factions. Um, But we aren't doing well at it. It is a challenge. And as you said, uh, when we look at fruits and vegetables together, 95% not eating to those recommendations. We're a bit better at fruit than we are at vegetables. So almost half of us are eating enough fruit, but only about 10% of us are eating enough vegetables. And then when we put those together, it's only about 5%. Um, So women typically do better than men at eating to the recommendations, but only slightly. So it's, you know, 12 versus eight when you're looking at that average out for 10. Um, Kids do a lot better than adults for fruit, but not as well for vegetables. And so, you know, that's obvious with the difference in, in taste that you see across fruits and vegetables. But one of the really important thing about all these statistics is that they have not changed in 
the span of my career. So over 10 years has passed and this data gets collected again and again and again, and we are not shifting the dial at all on eating fruits and vegetables. We're not getting worse, but we're definitely not getting better. Uh, So something's not obviously getting through because we'd say all the time, eat more fruit, eat more vegetables, but something's not cutting through there. And I completely attest to the fact I have a three-year-old. She does not eat vegetables, even though I'm a dietitian. So she falls in that low statistic. Um, Look, I mentioned that there's this saying that dietitians love, eat the rainbow, and we say it a lot, and there is now science to back it up. So new research has shown that colour variety is just as important as the total number of serves of fruit and vegetables that we eat. Can you tell us a little bit more about this research? Yeah, so we have all been saying that for a long time, right? We can can agree on eat the rainbow as a message. But until now, it was just this kind of lovely, inspirational thing that we said based on the idea that we could make a good argument for each colour family. And so if you put all those colours together, yay, that must be better. But now, um, instead of just research on individual fruits and vegetables or individual groups of fruits and vegetables, uh, my fellow nerds from Nutrition Research Australia have done an umbrella review where they bring all the colours together. And now umbrella reviews might be a bit scary to people as a type of research, so I'll just unpack real quick what that is. An umbrella review is really cool because instead of being a systematic review where we focus very specifically on one question, we can do a broad sweep by bringing lots of systematic reviews together, and that's where we can, instead of just looking at one health outcome, we can look at lots of health outcomes, and instead of looking at just one type of fruit, or one type of vegetable, we can bring them all together under these colours. And so the umbrella review really showed us that once you bring all that data together, it's not just there's good things for this fruit and good things for that fruit, but if you put them all together across the colour spectrum, each colour has at least one health benefit that none of the other colours have. So if you're not eating that entire spectrum of the rainbow, you're missing out on some of those health benefits. Likewise, if you're eating across that spectrum, then you're making sure you're hitting all of those different different possibilities for the health outcomes. So it was a huge study. There was 86 studies that got included. There was 37 million participants involved almost 450 meta-analyses included. And to see that that there is specific health benefits for each colour, and if you don't get all the colours, you will miss out on some of those health benefits, means Eat the Rainbow is no longer just a a pithy thing that we say, it's actual scientific evidence-based fact. It's science-backed. And, you know, I need to now tell this to children and to other people as well because, you know, we can't miss out on our green vegetables because we don't like them. Or, you know, we need to be getting in all those different colours, which is really fantastic. Now, the goodness of fruits and vegetables goes beyond just, you know, your normal nutrients. So we, we know this term bioactive pigments. Can you explain what these are and are they different to antioxidants? Yeah, so often when we talk about eating the rainbow, we look at 
you know, this group of colors is associated with these nutrients. Um, and that's cool. But more than that, the colors themselves, the, the pigments that create the colors are bioactives. And so bioactives means they have a beneficial functional effect for humans when we eat them. And it makes sense from an evolutionary point of view, because plants don't just create colors to be pretty and enticing to us to eat them. They create those colors as part of the function of protecting that plant from stress and helping it to grow in its environment. And so those bioactives have functional roles in the plant, but also have functional roles within us. And so you might hear them called phytonutrients or phytochemicals when they're produced by plants, but you can get them from, from animal foods as well. So we often use the term antioxidant and bioactive interchangeably because antioxidants are the most well-known functional group of bioactives. But antioxidant is a function. It's not a a classification. It's not a chemical class or, or a, a, a practical class. It's a function of some of the, the bioactives. So bioactives can have all kinds of functions, not just antioxidant ones. They can be antihypertensive, anti-carcinogenic, antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, basically anything bad that happens in the body, put an anti on the front of it, there's going to be a bioactive that helps. A good, a really good in, uh, explanation of something that is quite scientific. And you know, if we're talking about the main types of bio bioactives, can you explain to us um, their unique health benefits? So maybe we can go through, you know, the colours of the rainbow. Um, you know, let's start with red, for example. What do they offer? What are the unique health benefits that red fruits and vegetables might offer us? Yeah, so our red fruits and vegetables are where you're going to see a bit of an overlap with the colours next to them. So orange, red and yellow are going to have some overlap between um, carotenoids will be across all three of those colours. Um, flavonoids will be uh, in the reds and the yellows um, and we'll then have some extra ones in the oranges. But that's going to be your carotenoids, your flavonoids. They're playing important roles all across that spectrum of health. So they can be having roles in the anti-cancer pathway space. They can be having roles in the anti-inflammatory space. Uh, and really it's looking at all of these in concert for promoting all of those health benefits overall. Fantastic. And what about green vegetables? Because, you know, fruits as well, you know, we often say that green are, you know, great to get on your plate. What do they have that's maybe a little bit different or specific or unique to them? Yep. So green is a tricky one. So it's typically found in our green leafy vegetables. So they can be quite bitter or it's found in unripe or, or tart kind of uh, fruits. Um, and what we're looking at when we get green is exactly what makes our trees green and our grass green, uh, and that's chlorophyll. And so you don't need to be, you know, buying expensive chlorophyll water from TikTok trends. Eating chlorophyll in your foods will get you that same bioactive um, with even more great things coming with it. And there's... Um, all kinds of fascinating things that chlorophyll can be linked to, but one of them is actually reducing uh, symptoms of allergic rhinitis. And so if you're an allergy sufferer like me, having ways that we can eat our green that's nice and tasty is always very good. Very fascinating. And you're so right, you know, chlorophyll and, uh, you know, uh, beta carotene, we we hear these words a lot in, you know, these shops that you can buy or special, you know, supplements or things like that. And it's really fascinating that we can just get it in our everyday fruit and vegetables. It's not as hard as what we might make it. 
Um, this might be a curly one. What about white? You know, do white fruits and vegetables, potatoes or cauliflower, do they have any benefits if they don't have any pigment or do they have pigment? Yeah, so the white is still a pigment to, to create the white. So white isn't just absence of colour like it is in artworks. Uh, those white pigments, like when you get the white flesh in um, a blueberry or when you get the white around the edge of your melons, uh, that's where you're going to find the flavones. So the flavones are a family of bioactives that, again, are linked to so many different health outcomes from cardiovascular through to gut health. Um, and so, yeah, white is also just fine. Counts as a colour in in food, even if it doesn't in art class. Fantastic. Now, generally, how colourful and varied are our diets? Is the average person getting enough colour? If we're not getting enough fruit and vegetables, are we, are we getting enough colour? I wish that I had a good answer to this question because we don't have very good measures of how much colour people are eating specifically. Um, so if you're listening and you're a researcher or a research funder, this is something we do need to collect more data on. But if we aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables, it is unlikely that we are eating enough colour. Um, so, yeah, getting more in is going to help us get more colour but also getting more colour can help us to get more in. So there's data that shows that if you offer people more variety of colour, they will eat more of those foods. And that works with junk foods like jelly beans, but it also works with vegetables. If we put more range of vegetables out, which means more colours, people will choose more vegetables to go on their plate and will choose more to eat them. So Encouraging variety is going to encourage total consumption, but encouraging total c consumption is also going to encourage variety. Kind of the, the buffet effect. The more we see and the more colour we see, the more we're going to eat. And that's, you know, another um, great reason to have that fruit bowl, you know, pride and place on the, on the table for, you know, be able to see it all the time. Works in our house very well. Use the buffet effect for good. For good. <laughs> Um, now, are there any current guidelines around the number of colours, you know, over a day, over a week? We know how many serves of fruit and vegetables to recommend. Can we recommend a guideline around colour? I wish we did have a guideline around colour. So the Australian Dietary Guidelines and the Guide to Healthy Eating do acknowledge that colour is important because they do say things generally like eat plenty of vegetables, including different types and colours. Uh, but we don't have any specific recommendations yet in terms of how much of each colour or how often and, you know, what kind of overlap or what kind of synergy. And we don't have that yet for bioactives either. But again, researchers get on this. One day when we have enough data, I can totally see us having these recommendations in the same way that we've got our nutrient reference values, having recommendations for colours, for colour pigments specifically, and for bioactives more generally. It would be amazing. Just a matter of time, I say. Now, I want to talk about communication, something you're very experienced at and very passionate about. Um, what do you think is the best way to convey this message to our patients and to our clients who are maybe just buying, you know, apples and bananas each and every week? You know, will people glaze over when we start talking about bioactive pigments and phytonutrients? How can we express this to people in the best possible way? So it's going to cut through and it's going to change those statistics that we, you know, we talked about at the start. Yep. So you're absolutely right that the average person 
doesn't need to understand all of these details to be able to put it into practice. But different people might respond to different details and different fun facts that help them to engage with this as a concept. And so we know from behavior change models that if people have the motivation and the ability that's something dietitians are very well skilled at at helping people to develop. But what we also need is a prompt. We need a hook. We need something that says you're going to do this thing when you hear this thing. This will trigger this thought in your brain. And that's what eating the rainbow can do. So people know what the dietary recommendations are, but they don't have touch points in their life where they go, I need to eat more vegetables now. But a touch point of do I have all the colors on my plate or have I eaten a variety of colors today is a fun one to do and it's a simple one to do. It's easily recognizable. It's fun. It has visual appeal and it gives you that kind of you can go, okay, well, I've had my red and my green. I've had my yellow. Oh, yes, there's white. What haven't I done yet? Oh, I haven't done the purples and blues, I need to go get myself some grapes or, you know, whichever way you want to want to pass that. But it gives you that little prompt to remind you that you do have that ability and you do have that motivation. Like a challenge or a reward chart, you know, you know the way we, we motivate kids, you know, it's the same sort of thing, you know, have you got these colours? Let's try these colours. I think that's a really, you mentioned fun and you mentioned easy, you know, that's how we have to make nutrition for 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 people uh so really good answer there uh speaking of colorful fruit and vegetables let's talk about melons for a minute um they come in a range of different colors five in fact what are the main types of melons that we have in australia and what bioactive pigments does each contain yeah so i love approaching this eat the rainbow with a family of fruits like melons. So in Australia, our common melons are our watermelons, rock melons, honeydew melons, and the one people might not have heard of are the PL de Sapo. So sometimes called Spanish melons, they're the ones that kind of look like dinosaur eggs. So again, a fun way to get kids to eat them. And so across those main melon types, you're going to get five colors, the red, the white, the orange, the yellow and the green, pretty much the only thing that's missing is the the purple and the blue. So if you serve those melons with some grapes or with some blueberries or have those in one of your other meals during the day, you've ticked all of those color boxes and you've ticked a whole bunch of specific bioactive class boxes as well by doing that. And so as we said before, from our umbrella review, we know that these are going to be linked to all of those improved health outcomes from cardiovascular disease to diabetes, bone fractures, overall mortality, body weight, cholesterol, all of that in just one simple family of fruits. So not needing to go, what's my big long shopping list? It's, do I have some melons? Fantastic. And it's, you know, it's like a melon fruit salad. I'd never heard of the Spanish melon either, actually. And it's funny, you know, we kind of have our familiar fruits and vegetables. And this is why I love that um, that tip or that challenge about, you know, trying something new, putting a new fruit or vegetable into your shopping trolley each week or, you know, just, just trying something that's a little bit different, shopping at different types of grocers as well to kind of get that variety in. So uh, five different melons. I mean, who knew? Aside from the uh, colourful bioactive compounds, 
Are there any other health benefits of eating melons? You know, for example, I find that it's a really, really good way to stay hydrated. It keeps my kids hydrated, especially in summer. What other benefits do melons offer? Yep. So apart from being an easy way to walk the walk uh, for eating the rainbow, melons are just uniquely nutritious fruits. Um, So they've got their own combination of key nutrients, um, being high in the carotenoids with the orange and the yellow and the red. We're going to have our vitamin A there as well as our vitamin C. Of course, as with all fruits and vegetables, we're going to have potassium. Some of the melons are also amazing sources of folate, uh, which is, you know, again, typically from the bitter green leafy vegetables. And so being able to get that from fruit is wonderful. Um, They're really sweet and easy to eat, but they're not very high in sugar. So I know some people are concerned about how much sugar is in fruit, but remember it's in that whole food matrix. And so we're getting lots of fiber with that as well. Um, And all of the melons are actually of low glycemic load when you're eating them in those standard serve sizes. So, um, and as well as being hydrating, as you mentioned, um, it's a great way. People forget you can eat your water. It doesn't all need to come straight out of a water bottle. Um, And then as well as those bioactive uh, pigments that we've got that actually are creating the color, there's also lots of bioactives that um, aren't associated with colors that come from melons as well. Um, So there's specific examples um, for heart health, for example, for watermelons. So, so much more in a melon than just the colors, but the colors definitely make it fun. A very, very nutritious family uh, of fruits. Now, I want to... um... We've covered the science. We've talked about the nerdy stuff. Let's get to the fun stuff, you know, the practical stuff. How can dietitians make eating colourful melons easy, safe and fun? I would love for you to share some sweet and maybe savoury culinary inspiration using melons. First, I will tell you how nerdy I am about melons. The Piel de Sapo, I actually bought one for my three-year-old niece as her birthday present. (laughs) And we went through the whole, what is it? Is it a dinosaur's egg? Let's cut it open and find out, oh, can we eat it? And so definitely nerdy about culinary ways of I'm inspired. I'm inspired to do this with my (laughs) three-year-old. Honestly, it's so much fun. Um, But, yeah, there are so many ways you can eat melons and you can be eating them as a snack. You can be putting them in a smoothie. Um, I'm still old school. I love to do the rainbow fruit salad skewers. Um, Put all your melons on, add a pineapple and a a grape at the end. You've got all your colors, perfect rainbow, goes with any outfit. Um, You can be adding them to parfaits and breakfast cereals and, and those kinds of things. Like, you know, that doesn't just have to be the domain of particular fruits. We can be getting, mixing things up there. Um, but I think the the savory ones are the ones that will really surprise people. So adding melons to salads is a really good way to get, we've talked about bitter leafy vegetables so many times. People do not want to eat their bitter greens. Add them to a salad with a sweet fruit like melons and suddenly everything is so much more palatable. And it, it gives you this kind of gateway to the things that we know are healthy but don't really want to eat. And so salads like um, rock melon with some prosciutto and some cheese and some green leafy vegetables, for example, or there's all kinds of like watermelon Greek salad, um, mixed melon salads. Like there's so many different ways to do it. Um, and even weird things 
well, you won't think they're weird if you eat them this way, but like slightly unusual things like uh, watermelon steak, um, being actually grilling a slice of watermelon like it's a steak or creamed miso tofu with your your firm melons like your rock melon, honeydew, peel de sapo. Um, so honestly, Google the ways you can cook with melons because they are a great summer snack, uh, but they are so much more than that. I love this because people really do forget about the savory aspects of fruit. And it's that balance of flavor, sweet and salty and, you know, a bit of bitter or a bit of sour or something like that. Um, you know, getting all that, uh, that, those flavors together. I'll never forget my grandma. She's American and she used to eat big wedges of watermelon with salt and pepper on them. <laughs> She used to, you know, balance all those flavors out. So we used to look at her and think it was wild. But um, it's a great reminder to think outside of the box a little bit. And smoothies is another really great one, you know, because they are so hydrating. They're so juicy. Um, throwing them into smoothies and and not just sticking to maybe those those fruits and veg those fruits that are kind of more mainstream for smoothies, but trying something a little bit different, especially if you've got a lot to get through in your fridge, um, throw them into a, a smoothie and see what you think about that. So great suggestions there. And because the most economical way to buy them is a whole melon, Big you one. might go, how am I going to get through all of that? But you can cut up your melons and pop them in the freezer ready to go into your smoothie. So you don't necessarily need to use that whole melon all in one go. What a fantastic tip. Very clever. Well, let's talk a little bit about food safety. You know, what do we need to know about preparing or storing melons? That's fantastic to know that we can actually freeze them like ice cubes. But what else do we need to do to keep it safe? All right. So the most important thing when it comes to melons and food safety is because most people are not typically eating the rind. They think they don't need to wash them before they eat them because we're, you know, scooping out the insides of the, the melon or eating them as wedges and putting the rind away. But when you're cutting that melon from the outside to the inside, if it's dirty on the outside, you are dragging that bacteria into that very high sugar, high water environment, i.e. bacteria heaven, where they're going to proliferate. So if you're going to chop up a melon, then put it in the fridge, then that's where you're going to get the risk. Unless you clean the outside of the melon first and I would also recommend swapping knives. So doing my big cuts with one knife and then swapping to a clean knife to do that small, cutting it up into different sections to go into things because we don't want bacteria coming in, particularly the rock melon with the very, um, what's the word, textured outside, great home for bacteria if it hasn't been cleaned. So clean it in the same way you would clean your fruit and veg, dry, chop, then put in the fridge is the safe way to go. Really good reminder. Storing it in the fridge, is it better to store it just whole and then chop it as you go or chop it up and, and store it or it doesn't really matter as long as it's sort of getting eaten quite quickly? Are there any rules around that? So once you chop it, that's when you've potentially brought bacteria into the smaller bits. So the bigger bits you're storing it in, the less penetration of bacteria. Um, but you need to balance the food safety with the practicality. And I know because of who I am as a person, if I need to get my big knife and check that I've cleaned the outside of the melon and do food safety each time I want to cut a slice, I'm not going to do that. So I'm either going to not get through my melon or I'm not going to practice my best food safety. So for me, it's always get it all clean, get it all cut up, get it portioned up into my different containers for my different uses, pop some in the freezer and then I'm done and then I know I'm going to eat it. Good advice. 
I heard you mention something about eating the rind. So most people throw out the peels and the and the seed and everything. We can eat it. You know, what are they actually edible? How do we prepare them? How do we consume them? I want to know more. Yeah, we can. We can eat the rinds um, and the seeds. And yeah, so I said most people don't eat them, but some of us do. And it's a great way to get better value out of your fruits and vegetables in terms of your dollar value. But it's also a great way to get more value out of your melon in terms of the nutrients you're getting because the rinds are going to add more colors. They're going to add different nutrients and different bioactives. And so there's all kinds of weird and wonderful things you can do. So the rock melon seeds and the honeydew seeds that you scoop out and typically throw in the compost, you can actually put them in the oven and roast them in the same way that you'd roast pumpkin seeds. So like you get your little pepitas that you'll have in your seed mix. You can do that with rock melon and honeydew chock full of bioactive compounds, those seeds. Um, We can use the rinds as um, stir fry ingredients. So you can take the rind of a watermelon, cut that up and use it to replace meat in a stir fry. Sounds weird, but actually is delicious. Kind of like a vegetable, like, you know, in that way, it's kind of like a a tough, like kind of firmer vegetable. Yeah, and because it's got that kind of texture to it, that's why it kind of works as a meat replacer. Of course, you could have meat in there as well, um, but it does make a really good vegetarian stir fry. Um, You can also pickle the rind. So you can do a a quick pickle um, in the same way that you would do with your radishes or or similar things that you'd add to like a rice bowl. Um, You can candy them for use in in sweet things, so candied Candied watermelon rind I mix into my rice porridge and my oats and those kinds of things. You can do the same thing with the rock melon rind. Um, And then honeydew rind because honeydew is that really green one where we can get the, the green. It's a little bit more bitter in the rind than it is in the flesh. But doing things like chopping that up really small and sprinkling it into a chopped salad is a way to use it or blending it up in a smoothie because once it's blitzed up with all the other fruits and vegetables and the other parts of the melon, you don't get that texture or that bitterness that's going to be off-putting anymore. So yeah, I challenge people, see if you can use the entirety of your melon because it's it's great fun and much better for you and the environment. And the environment, great challenge there. I have to say the the white part is my favourite part, like, you know, the part in watermelons, the white part. So I should just go a bit further and just see if I can eat the rind or see if I can add it to, you know, a stir fry or something like that. So you've got me intrigued. You will love the stir fry and you will love the pickles if you're one of those people who munches right deep down into the white of the rind. Good to know. Just to finish up, what are three key messages you want dietitians to take away from our chat today? Okay, so message one would be just saying eat more fruits and vegetables isn't enough. We all know we need to eat more fruits and vegetables, but giving people specific challenges like eating the rainbow, specific prompts can help increase intake. Number two is that quality and variety matter as much to health as quantity does. So we want to spread that increased intake across as many colors as we can, because that's going to give us the spread of bioactive pigments, the spread of nutrients, but it also spreads our risk if there's anything wrong with anything we're eating. And it also spreads the joy and gives us more things to be enjoying. And the last one uh, is do go and challenge yourself to use the whole melon 
because it will reduce waste, um, but it will add colour and it will add more bioactives. And it's very Instagrammable once you do something a little bit unusual with your fruits and vegetables. So melon stir fries, I want to see them all over the social media. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Emma, for your time today. That was really fascinating. And I think we've got lots of different things to try, but also things that we can talk to our patients and clients and ways to communicate this eat the rainbow message to them. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we'll add a link to the Nutrition Research Australia's Melons Hub in the show notes. And a big thank you to Hort Innovation for supporting today's podcast. To get all of the links and resources we discussed in this episode, you can go to dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support the Dietitian Connection podcast, please leave a review and a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. Tell us what you thought of this episode, what you learnt, and share your guest requests for us to consider for future episodes. We value hearing from you and we really appreciate your feedback. So please, please hit that review button.